Welcome to the 47th episode of the Game 4 podcast. In this episode, still recording from home, we'll talk about making money in tabletop gaming. I'm Adam. I'm Matt. And this is the Game 4 podcast. Game 4 is a platform to help connect tabletop gamers and to help you get more out of your tabletop gaming. Matt and I are part of a software development and design company called Milkcan, and because most of the folks at Milkcan love tabletop games, we developed the Game 4 app and launched it in early 2018. We launched this companion podcast in June of 2019 to help tabletop gamers get more enjoyment out of their hobby. Due to the COVID-19 global pandemic, we hibernated the Game 4 app in July of 2020 and planned to bring back a retooled version of the app for Android, iOS, and the web when gaming in person is safer. Until then, we'll keep bringing you this podcast to help you get more out of your tabletop gaming. So, speaking of tabletop gaming, have yeah. you got any kind of fun stuff done recently? Have you been doing I any, find, how you were? Yeah, I was buried before, but now I'm, I'm starting to like... I don't know if it's a I'm getting freed up or is the fact that it's getting a little bit warmer out, a little bit nicer out. I've got motivation back, so I'm getting more stuff done. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I finally I got my black orcs assembled for Blood Bowl. Okay, um, you'd said that was a bit of a pain. Yeah, they were not they were not easy. Um, well, they're push fit, so they're supposed to be easy. Well, but sometimes push fit's not easy, is it? Well, yeah. Well, and some of them were like they were like it, seriously. There was times I like looked at the diagram back and forth with the pieces to try to figure out what the heck orientation it went in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm not alone. Um, one of the local uh, guys that I have uh, been gaming with, um, he also bought the same uh, version. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of comparing notes, and both of us were struggling. So I don't feel like it's isolated to me, but maybe it is just us two. We're having trouble, but yeah, they just they, normally I'm really good with my spatial awareness, but yeah, the diagram to putting them together was uh, painful. And there's like one guy that's like just barely holding on with like his fingertips and mm-hmm. stuff. Like he's like kind of almost looks like he could be, you know, if you put a piece of cardboard under him, he looked like he was breakdancing. Um, <laughs> and there's two of those because, you know, th- they have the slight modifications for other parts of them. So he looks different, but the pose and the hands is in the assembly. Basically is still the, the same. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, I was very nice to kind of be done with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're cool models. Um, I, there was only one that I kind of like the face mask is slightly off centered, but. They're orcs, so I'm just going to try to not let my OCD kill that and just yeah. put it That's one of the benefits, orc. honestly, of playing orcs in nearly <laughs> any type of game, but specifically Games Workshop stuff. Uh, right. And same with um, like Nurgle or just Chaos in general. They're not really into, you know, symmetry, making sure stuff is polished or, or you know, set up right or whatever, and things can be kind of crazy. Right. Yeah, mold lines are just veins and skin deformations. and <laughs> Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I got that done. I actually even started playing around with assembling the other one. Um, but yeah, I've got to get those primed so I can start painting those up soon. Um, but yeah, I'm making progress there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I've also been starting to put together uh, a character. Um, sounds like we're going to um, at least start a Pathfinder 2 um, campaign. Um, I will not be running second it. second edition or whatever? Yeah, I won't nice. be running it. I get to play this one, so I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah. I think we'll still probably figure out, once we we get the group dynamics figured out with my other group, um, still kind of do the D&D 5th edition, but uh, it'll be nice to kind of play as well. 
Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. So I've got a character mm-hmm. now, I've, like character figured out exactly like in my head. Now I've got to figure out how to like stats and character sheet work it out so that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally understand that. So, so are you going to be playing probably, I'm assuming still online for a while. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll be playing online, but it's still, um, it's going to be local guys, so I think once, you know, it's safe, which, um, with the recent announcement that, you know, once you finally get your second dose of vaccine and it's fully activated, you know, mask and social distancing can be, you know, fairly safely ignored. Yeah, that's Um, what, uh, like, the CDC just came up with that, what, like yesterday, I think? They basically yeah, said that if right. you've had both of your shots and your, you know, whoever your friend has had both their shots and it's been a maybe about what a couple weeks after the shot, the last mm-hmm. shot, then you're totally safe to hang around indoors with each other, no masks. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad whatever. that I know that they had to wait and kind of double check stuff and they were being oh, very yeah, cautious yeah. about it. But oh, it was just kind of like a oh yeah <laughs> yeah this now is just, a thing <laughs> just to actually get the vaccine that'll be that'll be a, a good then next yeah yeah so yeah. i think we'll we'll be gaming together but yeah we'll start online um yeah so we've got a session zero coming up um we've even talked i think we're going to try to do like a session zero on like a friday you know find out who everybody's character is get out all mm-hmm. on the same page and then we'll actually even try out like right away that sunday playing so that we don't have a lot of time in between so Nice. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. between that and then um, lots and lots of 3D printing. Um, not so much on my filament. Uh, that one's still out of commission mm-hmm. until I sit down and figure the belt situation out. Right. But uh, the resin printer, like, thank goodness I've got <laughs> I've got the new larger one uh, because that is cranking out. I've, uh, I've gone through almost like a bottle and a half of resin in the past, uh, ooh, Three weeks, three, four weeks. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like a liter and a half. Um, mm-hmm. And to put that in perspective, I've only used, I had only used maybe a liter in total um, since when I first started doing the resin printing before that. Now, this printer doesn't like use more resin or anything. It's just that you've been putting more stuff through it, though. Yeah, like yeah, I can more, print. Yeah. yeah, I'm printing, I can print a lot larger stuff. So I've been printing bigger items mm-hmm. um, and... And everything, and then just a lot more volume of items on it. Like it's, it's you know beforehand. Like I would take stuff off and I would just put it onto my in my uh, the drying, uh, sorry, curing station, Mm -hmm. and you know spinning stuff around. Uh, This this last week, I actually had like a whole assembly line of like, here's the items that have gone through the curing process once. Here's the Mm -hmm. ones that have gone through it twice. Here are all the ones waiting. And actually moved it up into, you know, near my desk uh, so that I could do it. Normally, it was just it's just downstairs with everything else. Um, but I was, you know, it, it only runs for like nine minutes or so, eight, you know, eight or nine minutes, depending on the cure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was running up and down. I was just like, I am. And I was just like forgetting about it. So I'd have like 30 or 45 minutes. And I was like, I am never going to get all this stuff done. So I had moved it up next to me and, so I could just kind of get through everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, oh, I've got those. Cool, um, it's been you working got your, real well. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I have like no issues. It was funny. I've I've got that new uh, the build plates, the magnetic plates on it. Mm-hmm. And with so normally with the the printers, you they they always tell you to level, and then they always say you know use a standard piece of printer paper and 
you know, all the stuff like, but mm-hmm. the Saturn one actually came with a paper, like it said, Oh, use the print, you know, leveling paper. And then, so the first time I did it, I was like, okay, I'll just use, you know, my normal, like cut sheet of paper or whatever. And yeah. then as I was going through the box later with all the parts, like, I was like, what is this? And <laughs> a thing that said leveling paper. Hmm. So it was like very thin cardstock um, on it. And I was like, oh. So, so I've been using thicker that. thicker actually. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. I mean, yes. And it's like, oh, okay, this is exactly the paper they want you to use. It's the right, like, cut dimension and everything. So I started mm-hmm. using that. And it's done so well that, um, like, normally, like, you have to, like, you'll, you'll want to take, like, uh, sandpaper and like rough up the plate a little bit mm-hmm. um, just to give more texture so stuff sticks um, and I I try not to do that but you know I'll still get fails and so I've gone back and forth on it this one I forgot to put the plate on one of my prints I thought I had put the plate back because there's two of them and I kind of shift them back and forth mm-hmm. and I hadn't put it back yet um, and I thought it was on there already because the cover was closed and I just hit print got my print and then realized that the prints were actually stuck to the magnet. Oh, wow. So, so that like smooth black magnet mm-hmm. was, had everything. So it was so well leveled that everything even stuck to that. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, it's so, yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal printer. I, I absolutely love with it. Um, and that's the Elegoo Saturn, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for 500 bucks is ridiculous. They've got their new filament printer for $160. Which mm-hmm. is supposed to basically, it sounds like it's on par, if not slightly better than the Ender 3 V2. Mm. And so, and probably $100 cheaper. So, yeah, yeah they yeah. are they are knocking out of the park for that stuff. Um, oh, their really their cool. biggest issue is keeping stuff in stock. So, yeah, no, I think that a lot of people are hopping into it. I mean, you know, I've been hearing a lot more about it, obviously, on online people. There are more and more like channels and things popping up talking about it and stuff like that on YouTube mm-hmm. and everything. And so that's that's very cool. Yeah, I know a lot of people that, um, you know, there's a lot of people that I know from my YouTube channel who are into 3D printing now and, and doing more stuff and everything like that. So, yeah, that's that's also very cool. Um, let's well, see. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, that's yeah, kind of my week. Yeah, yeah. What did I do? Um, Well, let's see. This past Friday, I finished. You can't see it, but I just made air quotes. Uh, I finished up the uh, Terror Geist that I've been working on on Twitch for a while. Mm. It's a big kind of weird skeletal bat dragon thing. Um, Yeah, I I thought he was just a skeletal dragon until like after you got it more painted. I was like, then that's when I noticed that whole bat face and ears and stuff. I was like, yeah, he's got that. Yeah, he's got like a bat head, but he's like huge, you know. So he's like a giant bat dragon, weird thing. And um, so, yeah, I uh, he's mostly done. Like, I mean, the base isn't done. I frequently don't paint the bases on Twitch because it's kind of dull to watch. Um, so he still needs to get his base finished up. And there's a couple little bits here and there I need to finish up that I just was like, it's going to be either A, really boring to watch, or B, uh, it's going to be very fiddly work, which I have a hard time sometimes doing on camera. Because mm-hmm. I end up having to have to hold the model like so close to myself to get at these little parts that I can't get that underneath the camera where you can see uh, it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, like uh, he's got these kind of crazy like these, you know, the, the the spines that hold up the big giant bat wing type things that he's got and mm-hmm. getting in between them on the backside to kind of highlight along inside those uh, spars. Uh, is really yeah, t- yeah. It's just hard. I have to hold the model so close to myself and I have to stick my tongue out to the side to make sure I keep steady and all that stuff and everything. And uh, <laughs> So yeah, so that I'm not going to do on camera just because it wouldn't be fun to watch. So I basically got it finished. And then this past nice. week, 
uh, I started um, this, oh, actually, well, last night I started working on uh, some of the, the prints that I got from you, uh, some deeds mm. uh, that I got from you uh, that I'm going to be working on for some upcoming project. And it's, uh, yeah, so I was basically just kind of, I wasn't painting at all yet. I was just basically kind of getting them ready, showing them people, yeah, and I I remember, talk, you know, answer a lot of questions and stuah Yeah, I remember when you were like, I, I kind of want to assemble them, but I don't know if people watch, but like, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then you started yeah. putting them together and I was like, actually, this is kind of fascinating. I'm like, I've never seen you put some of this stuff together. There was like some stuff. I'm like, oh, that's how he does that. It's different than how I do it, but that's, that's a cool technique and stuff. And I was like, seemed like a lot of good questions came out of it. Like people were yeah. talking about yeah, and I think I can focus just a touch better sometimes on the on the questions and things like that when I'm doing a build because it's not as uh, well. Again, if I was doing a lot of models, like if I was doing a whole bunch of clan rats or yeah. something like that for the Skaven, it'd be kind of hard, even though they're relatively usually like three parts in a base. But I just you know um, I was only working on really four models last night, so uh, right, and they're uh, fairly large parts too. Because right, yeah, there wasn't a ton of parts. Like it was like a head to body. Yeah. some hands the you know and then you put them on it well i didn't even have the bases yet i'm going to be getting the bases later on um but yeah so um so that's what uh i don't know this upcoming week on friday yeah. i'm going to probably start something new on twitch uh and paint something new so that'll be good otherwise this past weekend uh not online uh i painted up some more demons uh for this project and uh i'll be taking some photos of them real soon um i did take some photos of that one demon that you printed for me a couple weeks ago uh those ended up on Instagram. Yeah. I, and, I, um, I somehow like I was, I, the first time I saw it on Instagram, I just saw the first one. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that came out really cool. And then as I was showing, um, my wife, I, mm -hmm. uh, I was, I hit it and then it came to the other one. Like, ah, oh, I didn't real, I didn't see the little dot. So you can do this yeah. more. Yeah. I did just only two different images, but I did them up in the studio and you set up some lighting and put some terrain back there and made a little scene. I like doing that kind of stuff. He is the most photogenic demon I've ever seen. He's very photogenic. It's very true. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, it's, it's a, it's a good model. So uh, I'm glad that that guy's ready to go. So yeah, I painted up some, what did I paint up? I painted up this crazy looking monster. That's all full of holes. Kind of looks like a weird mushroom crossed with like, yeah, a, that one's like, cool. Like that a, one's creepy. Yeah, like a like a bee, you know, like the the honeycomb, you know, like you know, bugs could be coming out of or whatever. He's he's basically it's yeah, from it looks a like company a spore called is ready to burst or something. Yeah, like. it's a company called Rocket Pig Games, and they make a lot of different monsters and STLs. They first started off like everybody kind of did, just making like dungeon tiles. But now that mm -hmm. resin printers are so popular, they're just cranking out tons of different monsters. And so this is just like a totally made up monster, and I forget what it's called, but it's a play on the term for the fear of holes it's like tryptophobia yeah. or something like that and so yeah. this, this this monster is yeah. like kind of the, the name the name is a play off of that because he's all covered that's in so holes. That, that's so great because yeah, normally yeah, you're just like oh this is a demon this is a gnome this is a yeah 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 so that was that was a cool model and then what else did i do oh and then i worked on these other little those little smaller guys that i that i uh had you um print as well for a couple weeks back and i got those mostly done i think i might mm. want to tweak them a little bit and hopefully shoot them this week and, and get those guys ready to go. Um, so, yeah. And then, um, like I said, la last night I started working on the new 3D printed demons. And uh, I want to hopefully get them ready, their bases done and everything ready to go. So I can start priming them probably on Friday. I'd love to have them primed on Friday so that I can start painting them on Saturday. So Nice. But, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, I've, I've been keeping real busy. It's been a very busy spring, even though I'm not going anywhere or doing anything. But... Uh, I've been keeping myself um, occupied, which I think is important. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, what if Today, you wanted to make yeah. money, right? Off like of tabletop yeah. gaming. I mean, hobbies are cool and all, but you know, what sure. if you were able to hobby and make money? Now, as a just a, a straight up disclaimer from the front, most people prefer for their hobbies to bring enjoyment and not mm-hmm. be. Uh, you know, work, you know what I mean? Right. So, and, and there's a lot of talk these days about like different, you know, everyone's like, Oh, well, if you've got a hobby, you've got to either be the best at it, or you have to figure out a way to make it your like side hustle. And not everybody wants Mm -hmm. to do that, but well, and sometimes like it can destroy your love of the hobby. I know that absolutely. Yeah. There's a couple of things that I did that I started doing as kind of a side hustle thing and started really despising it. So when I got into like photography, I, I, I haven't had as much time recently, but I started mm-hmm. taking photos and stuff and I started getting like the whole, like, can you take pictures of us or would you do this portrait or this? And mm-hmm. I was like, and people were just were like shocked when I'm like, I firmly was like, no, I won't do that. And they're sure. like, well, why not? I'm like, because if I do, I'm going to hate this and I don't want to hate it. It's just a pure enjoyment thing. I only want to do it when I feel like it. Mm-hmm. And I really, yeah, I was like, I don't want to turn this into a job. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a, that's an indi- that's a thing that everybody kind of needs to take into consideration themselves. Like, you know, what are your, what are your motives, you know? Um, because you're right. Some people will look at it and go, if it becomes something that I do, uh, that I'm expected to do because I've got orders or because I've got, you know, mm-hmm. whatever kind of like things that I have to do just because it's, it's related to money, you know, am I okay with that? Or, is it going to be too much trouble and I don't want to do it? So therefore I'm not going to go down that road. And yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, they always say that, you, you know, you do something that you love and then you'll never work a day in your life. And that's true, but sometimes it can then change and then be yeah. back to being a normal job that you're not so much in love with. Anymore, if you, if you, know? you turn something into, if you turn everything you love into work, you'll never love anything ever again. <laughs> yeah, very possibly. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You should put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, t-shirts coming soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it's one of those things that it's just Im- important to kind of, as yourself, to kind of sit down and like know yourself and know I can do this on the side mm-hmm. uh, and enjoy it, and, and it won't be too much trouble, um, you know. Or it's a situation of like I don't want to do this because I don't want it to become work or something right. that I don't enjoy, but something that I have to do to put money on the table or whatever, you know, I mean, however that works. So that's, that's an important thing, like right up front for everybody, I think, to think about. Absolutely. Um, that's, yeah. No, that's a great, yeah. great point. And I think also like you had a good point too, about like not everything that you do is something you end up living off of. You may just do it as a little side thing that you enjoy, right? To make, you know, beer money or whatever. Like I knew a guy who literally like he just painted miniatures and he was like, yeah, it's just for beer money. And like, that was always his like thing. You know what I mean? And yeah, so, well, and that's and, like the, like the 3d printing, like part mm-hmm. of me is like, oh, I'd like to put enough effort into my 3d biz- printing business to, you know, make it as a secondary income type thing. Mm-hmm. But then, but really, honestly, if at the end of the day, all, you know, I just kind of partially justified the fact that I could buy a new printer or buy new resins and try out mm-hmm. stuff, then I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. So, cause like the, the resin that you currently use, like how much does that cost roughly per liter? Um, normal price that I'm paying is about $45 us a liter. Mm-hmm. Um, so prints, like if you put, you know, depending on the print, you know, because I'm doing salt, you know, there's some stuff I could do that I could save some money, but typically like, uh, like if you think of like a regular, um, 
28 millimeter figure. Sure. Um, you're talking like maybe 10 to 20 cents uh, mm-hmm. for it. Of resin. But of resin. Um, but then you know, yeah, your bigger characters, like a bit full build plate with large characters runs me about 2 to $3 a print. Sure, sure. So, you know, that's a consideration that you have to kind of take into there as well and stuff. But if you mm-hmm. if you can basically start doing this to basically pay for resin, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, you don't have to buy resin anymore. Now, admittedly, if yeah. you're always cranking stuff out just to get more resin, if you're never printing anything for yourself or whatever, that's, again, going down Absolutely. that road. But but if, if you know, there's, there's plenty of people out there, and I know this, that, that are like, you know, I kind of want to buy this piece of equipment, but I should try to figure out a way to maybe make some money on it too. So it's not just like mm-hmm. a complete outlay, you know, for, for at first. And I get that, yeah. but yeah, you know, it, it does. Well, it, yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot to go into it too. Like if you were like, oh, I'm going to buy a 3D printer to start this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff you, you, you like, you know, I can figure out my resin costs. Like if most of your good slicers programs and stuff nowadays will tell you, like if you tell how much your, your material costs, they'll tell you, how much that print cost, but it's just telling you the material. It doesn't tell you like wear and tear your machines. Mm-hmm. Doesn't t- tell your you time. about ele- time. Doesn't tell you about yep. electricity, um, mm-hmm. any chemicals for cleaning. And yeah, so there's a lot, yeah. you know, if I, you know, there's also, you know, um, like I printed up all your stuff um, when I was, because I was on that flexible magnetic plate, when I mm-hmm. tried to flex it a little bit, it snaps uh, the supports were holding on to the, um, weapon too much and snapped the weapon in half mm. you know i glued it and kept it for myself because i you know i'm like if i sand it you're not going to even really be able to tell like even sure. now i know where it's broken and i still couldn't tell mm-hmm. um but but you know i i know that that's going to probably fail at some point you know so i just reprint it so you've got failed prints going into it so there's sure there's a lot of ancillary stuff you have to think about for all this stuff of you know there's but there's you know time material you know, an ancillary cost to go into all the marketing and yeah. 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 So, so if you were going to go a little bit more traditional as opposed to mm-hmm. just like, Oh, I'm going to just try to figure out a way to kind of make a little bit of extra ching on my hobby. If you're going to go more traditional and actually make it an actual day job in some fashion. There are, yeah. you know, ways to do that. Obviously you could work at a game store, you know, um, and then right. generally your then, knowledge then of games is actually quite useful. You know what I mean? Because people come in and absolutely. ask, go, what kind of game, you know, I like this kind of game. What other game should I like? And that kind of stuff. Right. Especially if like the game store is maybe like the owner is focused on say war gaming and doesn't know a lot about magic and say you're a regular magic player, you know, they might say like, oh yeah, it'd be nice. You know, if you're willing to, you know, we're looking for somebody and if you're willing to work, you know, especially during our Friday night magics and releases mm-hmm. and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that would be excellent to have, you know, someone, you know, on board that can help us with that, that can, you know, be, you know, maybe if you're already signed up as a, as a Wizards of the Coast ref, you know, if you already have that, that sure. training and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like working at a game store, like that's a relatively simple kind of more traditional way to get into the, the industry, mm-hmm. uh, potentially even owning a game store, you know, maybe. Yeah, I, maybe I, I doubt there are very and, many people that own a game store that were not gamers playing it. You know? Right. And I got to be honest with you. I think that if you're not a gamer and you're a business person, you may look at a game store and go, mm, this may not necessarily be the best particular option for me to turn my money into right. my money. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, my favorite joke that I got, I, when I first started getting into the industry from like the business side, mm-hmm. uh, that people always said was, how do you make a small fortune, you know, in the in tabletop, tabletop gaming? industry? Yeah. yeah. And 
the the answer is you know start with a large fortune. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 exactly it. Yeah, the way to make a, a small fortune in the industry is to start with a large fortune, and and that can be very much the case. Not always, mm-hmm. but it can be. So you know, uh, working as a game store owner, because I've got some friends that are game store owners, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, they. It's a lot of work, especially like more likely than not, when you start out, you're the only employee. So you're there right. anytime the place is open. You got to clean the bathrooms. You got to sell stuff to customers. You got to restock the soda thing. You know, you got to like make new orders to the distributors and all that stuff. And it all kind of falls on your uh, lap. Once you hopefully yeah. get some success, you might be able to start getting some part time help, you know, some people who work there. And then you can be working on other stuff while they're like, you know, selling magic cards and pokemans to the uh to the kids or whatever you know mm-hmm. and that's great so but it is an Im- immense kind of uphill kind of battle i don't know like back when game four was not hibernated mm-hmm. we found that we were we had our our store database and our store yep. database said that we had about was it 66 or 6800 stores worldwide mm-hmm. yeah something like that somewhere yep. in there and, and that was a pretty accurate list because when we first launched the app back in 2018, we launched with 5,800 stores and then mm-hmm. people would email us literally five times a week and just be like, oh, hey, you fi- you forgot this store or, oh, hey, that oh. store went out of business mm-hmm. or whatever. And so it was, was constantly th- being crowdsourced yeah. to make a very, very accurate list. And, and by crowdsourced, it, went, it was mostly me. <laughs> we well, right. Emails. Well, I mean, it, yeah, exactly. But, but the crowd would reach out to yeah. you and tell you, and then absolutely, yeah. And yeah, it, yeah, you yeah. know, that was just it was just it happened. To, that was like the one thing that just happened to fall in my lap. But you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. every once in a while, um, everyone like someone else. I would like, here's a whole list I have not gotten through. Please go and add all these or or take yeah, these yeah. out. You know, because once you know, some would close and or or move and and stuff like that. So. But now with Corona and all that kind of stuff and everything, I it'll be interesting to see eventually when we get started again where that list is at and how things are, are working. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you may have seen stores close in your local area at this time, and hopefully, once everything gets better again, maybe that'll be a you know a, an opportunity uh, to start up a, a place yourself. Um, mm-hmm. and outside of the actual retail portion, then there is the well, there's a couple other you know there's. There's publishers and distributors. So the distributor yeah. is the company that kind of goes between the publisher and the store. Right. So otherwise, a store has to reach out to every different game company out there and say, hey, I would like to buy some of your games, please, mm-hmm. at, at wholesale and blah, 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 and back and forth. So you go through a distributor, and they talk to all the different companies that make games. And then you go to the distributor and say, I need one of these and two of these and four of these and six right. of these, and, you know, whatever. And then they put it all into a box and ship it to you, and it's easier. So, um, you yeah, know. They, they, they help do some of the bulk, they help some of the shipping to, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of the logistics and everything else. And, you know, because of that, they all take a cut, but they also give you the ability to, you know, easier, you know, get more games and stuff, you know, yeah. with that. And so the people who generally work at distributors, like if you work maybe in shipping, you may just work in shipping because you've had background in doing shipping and stuff like that. But when you get into the customer service reps and things like that, even still in that situation, very frequently you're talking to gamers. Like Mm -hmm. it is very helpful if you are a gamer and your customer service rep, because then you can be talking to the store owners and be like, look, this game used to be hot, you know, or whatever. And this is the new, you know, hotness from this same, uh, designer, you know, this right. game, yeah. all that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. which is hard sales, to yeah. keep track of, you know, if you don't like, if you work in, if you work for a camera company, you're probably a photographer. I mean, that's kind of the way it right. works. It's, it's, 
it's rare. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it, it depends on the position too. If you're going to get into uh, accounting at mm-hmm. a big distributor, you may not be super into gaming, you know, but right. you might be. Uh, but it's not a requirement. It's actually a requirement that you're probably a CPA. That's probably more important than that kind of stuff. Right. They, yeah, yeah, they probably value that. There, there's, you know, people that are doing the websites and mobile apps and, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, the tech sites, you know, they don't all have to be gamers. Um, we know that, you know, we deal a lot of this stuff, you know, from milk can whenever there's, mm-hmm. you know, some, there's a lot of companies that aren't big enough to have their own, you know, staff. So they'll outsource it. Um, that's one of the things that we like doing. Yeah. Um, and we constantly are told, you know, the fact that we are gamers is what they like about us because so many, you know, tech firms are just tech firms. They don't have, you know, there might be gamers that work there, but they don't have a whole team of gamers. Um, right. And so if you're uh, if you're a company and you're trying to get your website designed to work, you know, per, best for your uh, genre, for your type mm-hmm. of game or for whatever, and then you have to explain why it needs to be done this way to the tech company. And they're like, right. I don't understand it. But if you just, you know, like, you know, we, we, we've done a bunch of work for um, Paddle Foam, the people who make uh, special right. cases and stuff like that for your miniatures and things like that. Yep. And because you and I and Jason, I think at the time, were the only yep. three of us at the company who already owned Battle Foam stuff. When they said, right. look, we need a thing to do this and this and cutting the foam and all that. We were like, yep. And we knew exactly what they were talking about. Right. And we like, were well, what about go, this? Like, and they were like, we're oh, like yeah, we hadn't thought of it. Like, yeah, when we were trying to buy it, this is the art of the issue that we ran into, mm-hmm. or you know, mm-hmm. like, or they're like they're explaining the issue. We're like, oh yeah, I can see how that is. Well, what if they did it like this? Because that's what I would see. And they're like, oh yeah, you totally get it. Like, yeah. So, so these companies, you know, if you're like, I'm a gamer, um, I have these skills that would, you know, for this job, but I'm also a gamer. You know, those companies will look at that favorably, you know. Yeah, there's absolutely. A, and there's a fine line between being a gamer and being a fanboy. Like, if you're like, sure. oh, I'm going to work at Games Workshop just because, you know, I have Space Marine tattoos. Um, right. And, <laughs> and and I've got all this stuff. You know, while that might be appeasing, there, you know, there is, a, I'm sure that they'll be like, oh, okay, that's a little bit too, you know. Well, or they could be like, that's great, but we really would like something with retail experience or, you know, or whatever. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. You may be a huge fan of a particular type of game, but if you, you know, you'd be like, I want to be a 3D sculptor. And they're like, do you know how? And you're like, no, that you're not going to get hired. That's just the way, it, you know, that's just the way it works. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but like marketing, design, tech, sales, like, again, you might be good at sales or good at tech or whatever stuff. It's not specifically gaming related, but if you're also that and also a gamer, that can help. Um, but if you're into gaming design, you know, there's obviously like a lot of game companies stay in house for game design, but not all Mm -hmm. of them. Some of them Mm -hmm. take like, look outside at at different spec, you know, things there's lots and lots and lots of, you know, options there. Um, and there's there's tons of ways to get your foot, foot in the door, uh, with Mm -hmm. all these companies Mm -hmm. too. uh, volunteering, if they're coming, you know, at local conventions, especially when conventions start going again, being on demo yeah, oh, yeah. teams um, mm-hmm. as they're as they're doing that stuff, um, play testing for smaller, you know, smaller games that don't have they can't pay for play testers or, yep. you know, just basically just making yourself available, getting your face recognized, will get your foot in the door, and then as long as you're show them that you have the skills that they're looking for, you know. That's that's how it sounds like most people have gotten into it, you know. Yeah, there's plenty of people who are working for game companies now who started out being playtesters and then being maybe like playtesters plus also maybe demo crew and stuff like that at big conventions yeah. like Gen Con or 
origins mm-hmm. or whatever. And then they just keep doing that. And then, you know, you're obviously working your normal job or whatever, doing your right. own fun stuff on the side. And then eventually maybe they're like, Hey, would you be interested in writing, you know, some stuff for our website? And then, you know, mm-hmm. and eventually, I mean, it's the, the issue is it's never easy. It's never just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to just, I graduated from high school and I decided I'm going to work in board games. Like that's just right. not well, And, and you can't even be like, it's not like you're like, Oh, I'm going to be a good lawyer. So I'm going to go to Harvard law. There's no school that's, you know, that all right. the tabletop companies like try to pick talent from. Exactly. As far as I know, I I mean, you've got a degree from Miskatonic (laughs) University. I see. Well, yes, you know, that's not going to work out. Um, That's 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 not that's not a thing. So, yeah, it's you know, there's ways to do it. It it takes some work um, and, you know, but you can get into uh, in the more traditional sense, you can get into some of these companies and um, and become uh, whether it's a contracted employee or a full time employee. Mm -hmm. And then um, you can potentially ruin your love of games that way if you want to. You know what I mean? (laughs) So there's that. Um, but you don't have to go the traditional route if you don't want to. Uh, yeah, there's a lot not of things. In this day and age. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like there's so much now out there that because of the internet, because mm-hmm. of global economy to some degree, like all of these different things. Um, you know, yeah, like, let's, yeah, let's, like when we let's were start first locally. Start, yeah, like when we were first starting to like put this list together, like mm-hmm. it it quickly grew to be a big list. <laughs> I was oh like, yeah. I, it was like, oh my gosh, yeah, and I, and it's like I know we're missing a ton too. So yeah, mm-hmm. the, there's yeah. this is not an exhaustive list, but yeah, we'll just kind of go over some stuff, you know, like high, you know, high level but low level. At, at yeah, as well. I, I think locally, like, and we've talked about this before in the past. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy, like, let's say painting miniatures, right? You enjoy mm-hmm. doing that, then commission painting can be great. Now you can technically do it for basically anybody all over the world if you're going to be shipping things. But if you're going to start out with commission painting, we've found from people that we've talked to, I think Mm -hmm. that it's a lot of times it's like, well, you know, you'll like maybe hang a, like there's usually like a cork board at your local game store and you can put a little card on it that says, Hey, you know, I paint miniatures uh, for this price or blah, blah, blah. Give me a, you know, shoot me a text, shoot me an email, whatever. And then, you know, you get, because here, there's a lot of games out there that are either like um, games like um, Warhammer Underworld, where you're getting these little war bands of like five, six, seven models. And there are gamers that are interested in playing that game who are not miniatures players. They're like Magic the Gathering because that, 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 that game is a bit more of a competitive game and it has a definite like card combo sort of like back end to it. Yep. But they'll be like, look, I'll pay you a hundred bucks to paint these five guys or whatever the deal is. And then if you right. can do that, it's it's a nice little side gig to do from time to time. And that's how you can start out. And the benefit of it being local is then you're not having to ship it. You just come back and meet them at the store and say, here yeah. you go. And, um, you know, so that's that's kind of helpful, but it can yeah. expand. Yeah. Well, yeah, because like especially like there, there, I've seen it expand a couple different ways. Like if you bring your pieces and you're playing with your pieces, people are like, Oh, that looks really nice. And you're like, Oh yeah, I do this. You know, and I'm starting to you know do others if you're ever interested or like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I know that there's been times when I'm like, Oh, that looks really nice. Like, Oh, I actually had so-and-so do this. You're like, Oh, they do that. And they're like, yeah, yeah it, and here's their information, you know? So word of mouth can quickly get you to be really busy. Um, once you kind of get to that level that people are like, you know, starting really to impressed. notice your work locally. Yeah. You know, but, there, and, but the, yeah, there's people that are like, we said like board gamers that are like, Oh, now that, you know, cool mini or not has 50 minis in my game and I'm not a painter and I don't really want right. to get into painting yet. You know, if my friend who's still, you know, getting 
you know, learn, learning how to do this wants to paint it all up for me and does a half decent job, you know, mm-hmm. they can do it for free and they get practice and they can use it to, to explain to people and I can tell people. And so, yeah. And I've talked about that kind of thing before, I think on, on my YouTube channel about like, if you take, if you start, you know, helping your, your pals out who are board gamers, let's say, and have a lot of miniatures in those board games, especially cool mini or not stuff, like uh, Zombicide, let's say as an example, they're like, man, I really wish I had a painted version of Zombicide. You could, you know, work something out with them. They're like, well, I need a, you know, new, I need an oil change or I need, you know, there's something maybe they're good yeah. at cars and you're not, and you're good at painting and they're not or whatever. There's the barter system. You can do that or whatever the deal might be. Maybe it is a money thing. Yeah. Maybe it's a little bit of a money thing, but then you are also getting practice by painting zillions yeah. and zillions of zombies. Yeah. Maybe they're and, just paying for your materials. Yeah, no, absolutely. But then you're getting, you know, free materials kind of, you know, so yeah. like that kind of stuff it's, it, and it's, a, the deal is, is if you start locally, especially with commission painting, it, the benefit to it is that you can find out very quickly whether you like it and then decide mm-hmm. whether you want to expand. Because if you're like, oh, wow, this sucks. Well, now you, maybe you bought a website, you know what I mean? Like, or right, whatever, and you set right. all that stuff up and everything. You're like, wow, I hate the commission painting. It, it killed my love of the hobby. But if it didn't, then, you know, and you enjoy it enough or mm-hmm. well enough, at least, yeah, then you could expand and go from there. Yeah. Like, I'm a big when fan I first of heard small, that, I was like, grow slow. Yeah. When I first heard about it, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, maybe if I get good enough, I'll do it. And then as I was doing it, I was like, nah. And then I, you know, and I'll see like posts on like Instagram where the, somebody has like, they just have a stack of boxes from, you know, GW or something. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is my latest commission and I've got to get this out this month. I'm like, oh my gosh, that, no. <laughs> oh yeah no that's the thing is that as a commission painter if you're thinking a little bit about it one thing you need to know is that most people would really love it if you would paint their entire army and they mm-hmm. will even potentially pay you a good amount of money like there are people out there that are like look i got this 2000 point army or this 4000 point army for like say a game like age of sigmar and yeah. i need you to paint it and you're like ugh and then it's one of those situations, and we we do this sometimes in um, in development, in in you know uh, web development and, and mm-hmm. you know, software development. Is sometimes a customer comes to you and says, "Hey, I need this," and you're just like, you don't have the time, or you just kind of don't want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you throw them like a super highball price, and you go, "Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it's going to be this much." And then they go, "Okay," and then you're like, "Oh man, now I'm <laughs> now I'm sort of boned." <laughs> so like someone brings you their army, and you're like, "Yeah, I could totally do it for te- for four grand," and then they're like, "Okay," and then you're like, "Oh crap." So yeah. if you do get interested in looking into commissions, understand that everyone's going to get you to try to paint their army because they don't. No one wants to paint an army. That's why I stick personally, uh, uh, as a side note, why I generally stick with skirmish games because skirmish yeah. games, your army's like 10 dudes usually or whatever. It's fine. But oops, clunk. Um, but that's, yeah. So uh, anyway, so commission painting uh, can be like a thing that, and it's not just again for, like I said, for war gamers. There's plenty of board gamers that are out there. Um, RPG folks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's a that's a big deal because people are, are interested in that service, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, that's one of the reasons why that uh, full color 3D print service from HeroForge got such a big uh, Kickstarter. Did you remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where like basically you can design the model in on, on in your browser, and then they will full color 3D print it. It's because to to many people, uh, painting is really really hard, or maybe sometimes even not interesting. But to others who like that kind of thing, then you know, what, let's it's you could very possibly make some money at least on the side by doing it. Mm-hmm. There's other types of artistic stuff you can do as yep. well within the industry. Um, if you are a drawer or a painter, mm-hmm. and by painter I don't mean 
miniature painter, but like, you know, on flat surfaces type painter or, or, or right. whatever, um, like illustration and stuff like that. Uh, you can definitely find a niche for that a yeah. couple of different ways, you know, like if you're good enough, you might get to the point where you start doing illustrations for games, you know? Yeah. Um, or, or especially like rule books for independent developers. You could start yeah. with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, like honestly, very frequently it starts with like, you're going to small conventions and you're doing like maybe character portraits and stuff like that mm -hmm. for people and like getting some, maybe some commissions like that. And if that's, I mean, that can, that can be a good way to start. But as you grow and build a bigger portfolio, you could then start reaching out. The thing that's so interesting, I mean, I got to be honest, like the illustrators that I've been finding lately, I've been finding online, like for, for, for some projects that I've been working mm -hmm. on, I've been finding them either on Twitter, Twitch, or Instagram. So, yep. you know, when you find somebody like you're flipping through Instagram and or whatever, and all of a sudden you see some sort of illustration, you're like, whoa, and you follow that person. And then maybe, you know, later on you go, okay, cool. Then I have a project and I want to see if I can commission you to do it. I mean, that's right. So it was really hard to get known as a commission illustrator for, especially within the game industry back, you know, even as little as 10 years ago. Right. Like yeah. Now, you basically had to like, know. yeah, you had to go to like all the conventions and try to sell some mm -hmm. artwork and, you know, yep. maybe have a portfolio people could flip through and maybe yeah. then that if you, the right person, at the right time. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, but now, now yeah. it's, it's more of a situation of people are reaching out to you I'll, very frequently. Like mm -hmm. if you can start to get people who enjoy looking at the artwork, they're going to follow. And then as you get more followers, then Instagram is going to show it to more people, which yeah. gets you more followers. And it's a whole kind of thing. Oh, and, so and yeah. tons of RPGers will ask for portraits of their characters. Um, and, you know, and then if they, especially if they like the style and they're like, oh yeah, this is my character. This is the, you know, can mm -hmm. you do this? Um, and then, you know, that character will die or they'll play different campaign and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, that quickly can turn into repeat business, you know, yeah. several times every couple of years, you know, type thing. So, mm -hmm. and so and whether then, it's more know, traditional illustration or whether it's more computer illustration, like Photoshop and stuff like that or whatever, I mean, there's lots of different options out there for people. And if they like your style, I mean, that's, that can be a big deal. Whether, like I said, mm -hmm. whether it's just straight to uh, end consumer, you know, commissions or whether it's illustration jobs in the industry, which then again, yeah. just again, it just adds to your portfolio. Oh, this was in a D and D product. So therefore that obviously kind of cranks up your, uh, your, your cred as it were. Right. Um, I think also getting into uh, also sticking a little bit within the, uh, like the, the, the art kind of bend, um, is like 3D design. That's the thing that we've been seeing lately that has been yeah, getting Yeah, that's huge. taken off crazy in the last couple of years. Yeah, and I it, I made a video about this on my YouTube channel just, I don't know, a month ago or whatever. And it was basically about how Patreon is like the new hotness for if you're a person who owns a 3D printer and you would like to find a bunch of really cool STL files to print, uh, well, where do you go? Well, one place you can go these days is Patreon. So it used to be the case that if you were a 3D sculptor, a person who sculpted in the computer, 3D, you know, computer sculptor, yeah. you basically had to kind of like we were talking about before with the illustration, you kind of had to find, you know, get a, a foot in the door at some mm -hmm. sort of place, you know, like cool many or not's making a new thing or somebody's making a new thing and they're looking for 3d sculptures to do the stuff for their project. And so you were like, okay, well, here's my portfolio and here's that blah, 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 going back and forth. And then maybe you get the gig hooray. And then you're constantly back and forth with the art director. The art director's like, can you make his arm longer, but shorter, you know, and that kind of stuff. And then you're <laughs> right. like, okay. And it's just back and forth and back and forth. And it was kind of a, of a real hassle. And then 
somebody, and I don't know who, the first person, the first group I ever heard of was this company from Poland called Titan Forge, where mm-hmm. they basically just took a bunch of different 3D computer sculptures and kind of put them all together and started making about 10 to 20 new models a month. And then you follow them on Patreon for like 10 bucks a month. And then you get access to all those models every month. And then next month it's new models. And then next month it's new models. And last time I looked, they've got seven or 8,000 people paying $10 a month to, yeah. to get access to these models. So now you as a sculptor or a group of sculptors no longer have to deal with an art director. And I'm a person who has played the role of art director before. Mm-hmm. I know that we can be jerks. So I, I can <laughs> I can totally see the benefit if you know how to 3D sculpt and you can start to build up an audience it can become your day job real quickly because if those people right. are just like, yeah, cool, I'll keep paying you. I mean, like, I, I, yeah, I love your style. Then you can stay yeah. with your style. Yeah, exactly. You can keep doing the thing you want to do and they keep enjoying it. And then maybe sometimes they drop off because either they don't need any more stuff or they're whatever they're, they're you know, things change with Patreon, but then new people right. join. And so, yeah, like it, especially within 3D design, Patreon right now is like the way. And the interesting thing is like not that long ago, four or five months ago, I was trying to find a 3D sculptor to pay to do for a project. And I reached out to four or five different 3D sculptors that I found on uh, uh, Instagram that -hmm. I really liked their work. And they were all like, oh yeah, no, I don't have any, I'm not doing commissions anymore. I just do, I just do my Patreon. So, you know, I I think it's going to be interesting for the game companies to try to actually find people to do the work for them now, because so many of them are like, yeah, I could either answer to a bunch of, you know, uh, crazy art directors, or I could just keep doing my own work and get paid full price and it'd be great. So, you know, right. But at the same time, yeah, they can also just go, oh, yeah, we're looking for, you know, this stuff. Now I have 10,000 artists that put out all this work. I can find the right art and maybe just buy, you know, that design off them. Yeah, potentially in some situations you might be able to. Yeah, it's going to be weird. But yeah, yeah, it is. And, and related to that, not within design, but also just the more kind of crafty portion of it. I also made a video about this just real recently about Etsy and about how good mm-hmm. it is for um, not just war gaming, but also for board gaming and all kinds of things. If you own a certain board game and you sure would like to have a really cool 3D printed insert to go inside there to keep all the parts in their own little areas mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, Etsy's an amazing place to look for all that kind of stuff. Terrain, um, you know... Uh, 3d printed models that are from a lot of these like patreon designers but then you can pay to be licensed to sell prints and then you pay them extra then and then that way you can put these things on etsy and so yeah there's just like all kinds of stuff yeah there's a lot of different things right if you can create it well yeah exactly like jewelry that's related to gaming all these different types of things um it used to be you had to go to a local show and set up a booth and try to sell your you know uh, chain right. mail dice bags or your, uh, you know, D20 earrings or whatever and all that kind of stuff. And now it's all about being able to sell that stuff through places like Etsy and to some degree lesser, uh, you know, places like um, uh, maybe eBay and things like that. Yep. But yeah. And then, you know, again, uh, eBay, like just reselling, you know, people buying. The, I know, I know a lot of people who will like go into a shop and they will see a, a current board game that mm-hmm. this shop has that is out of print and a shop doesn't realize that it's selling for twice as much on eBay and then you buy it and then you flip it on eBay, you know, and you can yeah. make extra money that way. Or you find something that is rare or you find, you know, all kinds of things like that. And then there's also or, people or like, like within within Wargaming that do the thing with bits where I buy a box and then I take the parts apart and I sell the parts all separately because someone wants right. just that sword. The sum of its and, parts is greater than the, <laughs> than the, indeed, the box. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
do do they yeah. do people do that with RPGs? Do you see a lot of RPGs like people find like out of print RPGs and flip them on eBay, or is that more people Not... who had an RPG and are just trying to like get rid of it? I would say not as much right now, um, mm-hmm. especially since they started reprinting a lot of stuff. And, and with yeah. the amount of PDFs and stuff out there, you can just kind of mm. read it. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, at the same time, there's some stuff that's, you know, people, the right collector will buy, you know, if, you know, you've got, you know, a first edition or like a 2.5 or advanced that people really are liking for D&D or, mm-hmm. you know, if you hit the right person, you know, you can probably flip it and sell it for you know more than you paid for. Um, but yeah, you'll have to find it, but finding it online is a lot easier than hoping somebody comes into your store to buy it or going to a convention and trying to sell it. So no, absolutely. So what about like things that are a little bit less tangible, more experiential? I think that's a word. It's not just made it up like game master services. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, I just talked about earlier that, you know, I like running the games, but not always, but sometimes your group Nobody else is willing to step up. So, like, oh yeah, what do you do then? Well, you know, there are people that are like they they enjoy doing it, or they enjoy doing it enough that they're like, oh yeah, if you pay me, I don't know, fifty bucks, hundred bucks, you know, I'll run a session during the day for for you, you know, the, mm-hmm. or you know, so, but you know, you could do that yourself. You know, maybe um, some conventions, you know, you can get paid or at least get, you know credit to get into conventions and stuff like that by sure, or your, maybe even your by running games. or whatever yep yeah. exactly yeah and so like i mean the the concept of you know if you're a group of people who likes to role play but either you know the person who's normally the gm and because so, uh, being a gm yeah sure it's fun to sometimes not be a gm but there are some people out there who are just like this is my destiny. Like this is like I this I'm always mm-hmm. the one who's running the show, and that's great. Especially yeah. when the rest of the group is like, "Cool, you run it, and we'll play." Well, um, yeah, and there's differences because like it's like, oh, it's game night. Um, I've got to play, you know, my game at six o'clock. So you know, I'm gonna have to find my dice at five fifty five and my character mm-hmm. sheet and stuff. But if I'm running the game, I'm like, oh, shoot, okay, I've got to read ahead of this chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to print up these things. I've got to, you know, it's like the prep work. It's kind of like, it's all like being a teacher, you know, the, when you're like, oh, it's so yeah. easy. The teacher has the answers in their book, you know, but they're also like, I've got to figure out all my lesson plan. I've got to actually make sure I know the material and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And yeah, so. it's a situation of like, if, it, if you're good at it though, uh, mm-hmm. and enjoy it, 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 it's a skill, you know? So it's something that you could, especially in this day and age, if you're, if you're playing a lot online, you don't even need to be, you know, local, you know, right. it's nice if it's local to some degree, but yeah, if you're not and you're playing online, then you could easily, you know, do maybe do a session. I don't know what three, four sessions a week and make an extra, right. I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. Maybe, well, you know? and, and, Depends and on what because, your time looks like. Yeah. And if you're hitting all different groups, it can even be the same game. <laughs> You yeah, know? no, that's very true. That's very so true. So yeah. you, you could prep once and then play the game eight times that summer with people. And it's it's new to each one of them, but you only really had to prep once and then you repeat. And then mm-hmm. you actually probably get better um, and able to focus more on your actual like soft skills uh, versus, you know, some of the like printing and all that stuff because you're not worried about that. You're just like, oh, this worked out really well when I described it this way last time. So I'm going to do it this way again. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, kind of related to GM services and stuff like that mm. a little bit, like teaching uh, mm. and, and classes. I mean, 
I know people who are teaching painting again, because that's Mm -hmm. kind of my area, but I know people, I've got friends that are teaching online where they are like, people are paying them, whether Mm -hmm. it's through a Patreon or something else. uh, And then they're doing like a Skype call or whatever. And then it's all just like, okay, well, try doing this. And you know, you're working with maybe a person for an hour or two every week and you're, you know, you're getting paid there. Uh, but once conventions obviously come back, there are plenty of people, you know, I've even taught classes at conventions before and that you either get, like I said, like maybe comped on your hotel room. So it doesn't cost you as much to go to the convention right. or you just get straight up paid, um, which is also and, and, cool. And the cool thing is you don't have to be the best person in the world to do this stuff, um, especially like there are there's a lot of stuff that, you know, the, the, the one on one classes that maybe like mm-hmm. the best guys in the industry are they're they're doing like. You know, here's wet blending um, with only a single bristle. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> fine detail work class that's super advanced. They don't have time to go. Here's how to cut a mini from a sprue and clean mm-hmm. up the mold lines. But, but for somebody are... that would be super important because they didn't have anybody in their group that knows how to do that. So they're looking to learn how to do that. At like at like miniature conventions, at like conventions that are just about miniatures, the mm-hmm. the the very beginner stuff is not necessarily as beneficial because mm-hmm. the people who are going to that convention are at least committed enough that they're going to go to a convention right. that just has minis. But at a place like Gen Con or Origins or any of those other conventions where it's a lot of different genres, that's where how to start painting minis. Those classes go crazy well. And you don't right. have to, you're right. You don't have to be like a super pro with a bunch of awards. Just you're like, ah, I can make stuff look like this. And then they'll go like, cool, I want to make stuff look like that. And you're like, great, right. I'll show you how to do it. And that's that's really, really uh, a good idea because yeah, you're right. Like I said, if you go to like, you know, some of the conventions that are specifically designed for miniature people, those people are usually at least at that step. So they don't, you, your, your beginner classes may not be as beneficial or may not right. be as, as trafficked, but at conventions that are like, like small gaming conventions or any kind of general tabletop gaming convention, you're going to see those, those fire off a lot better. And right. so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a cool thing. Um, yeah, and, and, you, and, and, and yeah, and always there's ancillary stuff too. I remember, uh, the, the, the first time I really understood what 3d printing was and, and got to look at stuff being 3d printed was at, um, at, at uh, the Tabletop Minions Expo. Um, one of, sure, yeah. Mac the Maker yeah. had a class about 3D printing. Yeah, explained like how he mm-hmm. got into it, how, uh, some like do's and don'ts to start off with, and here's some examples of stuff I've done. And it was like, oh, okay. It made it super approachable. And it was like, I think there was like 10 people, you know, uh, you know yeah. half the people that were there that day at that time went and did it. And I, I would be shocked if not most of them those people ended up with a 3D printer bought in the next like six to 12 months. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, no, very probably. And and it's it's a situation as well where like if you were to go to a 3D printing expo, probably right. how to get into 3D printing may not be as well. Again, that that, that class may not be as well as, uh, you know, uh, right. received as a class about like, you know, intermediate or pro stuff for 3D printing. Right. But at but, a convention yeah. where it's mostly mm-hmm. like, you know, all kinds of different tabletop stuff, yeah, 3D printing and tabletop is becoming very, very intertwined. Yeah. And so photography, yeah. if you're a good photographer, maybe not oh, a good yeah. painter, teaching how to people how to take photography of their stuff, you know, to show it off. Super great. You know, or well, even the, to show themselves off on, you know, your social media and stuff like yeah. that. 
like the classes that I used to teach at Adepticon were not about painting or anything like that. The classes I used to teach at Adepticon were about how to get into starting your own YouTube channel mm. and that kind of stuff because no one else was doing any classes about that. And I was like, well, like at, at Adepticon, like the painters there are all basically world class. So I'm like, there's no big reason. And it, just for the reasons I said, there's no reason for me to do like a beginning painting class, which is what I'm frequently teaching people to paint on my YouTube channel. I'm not yeah. teaching people how to paint. I mean, sometimes I'm teaching better, but I'm very frequently aiming at getting people into the hobby. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's not a necessity at a place like Adepticon because that's where the world's best painters all get together and go. So that's great. But I'm like a lot of those folks, even those world best painters want to know how to light their YouTube videos better so that they don't look weird or they don't sound weird and they need better audio and stuff like that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of gets us into the next point here is that another way that you can kind of make money sometimes on, on uh, your hobby is to entertain, to produce, uh, YouTube videos, which can eventually, if you get big enough, can turn into some ad revenue directly from Google, um, Mm -hmm. can turn into, you know, if you, if you start a Patreon, like all these things are things that you should definitely get a bunch under your wing. Like, Every once in a while, I'll see people who are like, hey, I just started a YouTube and here's my Patreon. And they have like literally a video. And you're like, maybe get some videos under your belt before you start doing a Patreon or things like right. that. But that's, wait, that's just wait my suggestion. people are asking, but, but I don't know. Maybe, a little bit. maybe not. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. But, uh, you know, and then there's also Twitch, which also is a direct mm-hmm. kind of like... If people support you on Twitch, then you get you you can get uh, through being an associate or even potentially getting to partner. Um, mm-hmm. You can get money that way, uh, you know. And uh, but again, you are providing a service through entertainment or infotainment or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. But right. it doesn't have to be video either. I mean, the, right? Because you know, maybe maybe you don't want to be in front of a camera, you know? Maybe, right? Maybe you maybe you're you like writing. Yeah. So maybe you've right. got a. Uh, a face for radio and a voice for print. Uh, there's a there's a guy that I, I watch sometimes on Twitch who says that he has a face for radio and a voice for Twitter for print, which I don't believe he's he's doing quite well. And so, uh, but yeah, um, if that's the case, then you know, and if writing is your jam, then yeah, there's definitely still plenty of like it's not like blogs went away. Like those types of things, especially no. in tabletop wargaming, are also very popular as well. Mm-hmm. And if you do it well enough. You know, you might get some ad revenue potentially, but you could also do, you know, some type of sponsorship deals and things like yeah. that. It or, takes or, a little know, bit more work. Maybe you know, full on yeah. writing. You know, you might be asked to write, you know, if not full books, but maybe magazine articles. There's still, you oh, know, yeah, hobby absolutely. magazines that you can yep. get involved in. Yep. And maybe if you don't have a voice for print, then then maybe you could go into a podcast. Podcasts are also uh, no, super popular no, for gaming. There's no money in podcasting out of the podcast. <laughs> well, okay, the podcasts yeah, are dying, except for this one. This one <laughs> yeah, is yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> but with podcasts, the the benefit is is that very frequently people like it doesn't work for every genre, mm-hmm. but for tabletop wargaming specifically. It's great because you can be listening to a podcast while you're painting or building or whatever. Like right. it's it's not. I well, most people can't be listening to a podcast and reading to prep for their next RPG session because I can't keep two you know uh, you know text streams in my head at once. It doesn't right. work out. You know, but you could be doing you could be listening to an RPG podcast while you're cleaning the bathroom or while you're walking the dog or whatever. Right. It's or, just well, within and, wargaming, RPG- you know. Right, people are listening while they're painting almost always, right? Because you know? there's yeah the hobby aspect, of it. but then you know the yeah. nice thing about like RPGs is that there's a lot of theater of the mind, so you kind of get you know almost like you know the you, you know there's a lot of setup involved to make sure it sounds good and all the, you know all that and you know characters and everything else, 
but you know even just doing a, a, a listening only podcast can really you know if you're describing right and you're you know it can really get that theater of the mind almost like the old radio shows and stuff yeah no absolutely i mean that's the thing is that because role playing games are so you know very frequently like yeah, sure you got some miniatures maybe once in a while it depends on how you play but some people don't like to play with miniatures and they just want to do it all theater in the mind, maybe draw some little sketches about like, Oh, and then this guy was over here by this rock and then, you know, whatever. But you know, that, that like, honestly, the concept of listening to a podcast about painting seems difficult because you like, mm. you're talking about a visual medium, but you're, you know, but it's not impossible. Mm. Uh, it is, there's definitely painting podcasts out there. Um, but with, uh, Games like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, stuff like that. There's zillions and zillions of podcasts out there for that, both like behind the scenes, how to be a better GM, all that kind of stuff. And also, mm-hmm. you're right, completely like we're going to play and you guys are going to listen to sessions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but and it's also the same. There's plenty of great podcasts out there for for board gaming as well um, mm-hmm. and uh, magic and, you know, all the different types of collectible card games. Um, and then you mentioned social before and yeah, mm, you yeah. know, again, it's the same type of thing. There are plenty of people out there who are great painters and they do Instagram or Twitter, right. um, or maybe even Facebook, but there's also people out there who are, you know, they, those things very frequently, some of them can be a means to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a painter specifically or a sculptor or something like that, then that can be your main jam if you wanted mm-hmm. to. But for most of the rest of this stuff, if you're into, doing other stuff, designing board games, or you're into you teaching classes and all that stuff, then the, the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook and all that kind of stuff becomes kind of like an add on sort of a, uh, like a marketing thing, you know right. what I mean? It's, 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 uh, it's, it's not the main thing, but it, right. it can be for certain things, illustration, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, painting, sculpting, but for most everything else, it's something that you also do to keep up engagement and to get people knowing about you and, and that kind of stuff, because it's basically free and it gets, it's almost like free advertising. Not everybody's guaranteed to see it, but you will, you know, you will definitely expand your reach. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding Absolutely. that stuff is super important. So yeah, there's a lot you can do within the realm of gaming if you want to try to, to mm-hmm. make a little bit of extra side coin or something like that, do something like that. Maybe it eventually becomes a, a full-time job. But again, I want to reiterate that this is something you do that you enjoy and very frequently taking something you enjoy and making it a job takes away the enjoyment. So, right. um, and, and just, yeah. and go and trying to do something just to make money as like, I want to be a social influencer Right. You, you gotta have a plan. You can't be like, I'm gonna start a YouTube channel so I can retire. Yeah. You no. know, maybe you could, but the you know, you can also say, uh, I'm gonna go outside and shoot basketball hoops uh and become a professional and then become basketball the, player. Become the next LeBron. Yeah. The the chances yeah. are slim. Right. Yeah, you know. But uh again, it there's a, a guy that I watch on on online a bit uh, who's a, a marketing kind of business person, and he talks about how like if you are, if LeBron is 100%, you know, the highest basketball player, ideal, yeah. just arbitrarily, you say, there's LeBron. If you are 70% of LeBron, then you are a terror at the local YMCA on basketball night. <laughs> like you're, you know, but the people who are in the NBA are like the top five or top 3%. Just because you're 70% of LeBron you're, you know, you're, you're not doing much with it, but 
if let's say whoever's a hundred in business, let's say it's somebody like Mark Cuban or Elon Musk or whatever, if you're 70% of that guy, you're doing great. You're doing spectacular. Like you could be doing really well at 30% of that guy. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. business is much different and making money is much different. And everyone's idea of what, you know, what's an acceptable amount of money and like, oh, this is cool. I made 300 bucks this month. That's 300 bucks I didn't have. And then there's other people that are like, I don't get out of bed for less than $400 or whatever. You know I mean? All of this is stuff that you should try to figure out before you start going down that path. But you can also, again, like I said, always, you can start small and then grow slowly and see where it takes Mm -hmm. you. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Game 4 Podcast. If you've got questions or comments and you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment below. If you're listening via your favorite podcast player or just aren't into the whole YouTube comment section thing, then you can feel free to reach out to us via email at podcast at imgame4.com. You can also keep up to date with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website at www.imgame4.com. That is www.iam. G-A-M-E-F-O-R dot com. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.